so many relationships start at events. So many relationships that people have with other individuals and or brands start at in-person events. Welcome to the Impact Roadmap, a podcast designed to give you the practical, concrete steps to grow your nonprofit or future forward business in a sustainable way. I'm your host, Joey Goon. Let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to the Impact Roadmap Podcast. I am your host, Joey Goon. Today, I have a digital marketing extraordinaire, uh, Taylor Shanklin. Her company is Bar Lele, and she also has a company called Creative Shizzle, which we'll talk a little bit more about as well. Uh, Taylor, you are a TEDx speaker. We need to talk about that. You have a podcast, which is the Creative Shizzle or Talk Shizzle Podcast. Uh, You're a producer, a marketing innovator in the social impact sector. You have helped hundreds of organizations tell their stories and clarify their messaging in a digital channel. You're the founder and CEO of Bar Lele and also Creative Shizzle, where you're helping companies grow and you're helping nonprofits build memorable brands through strategy and design services and products. What else would you like to add to that bio? Did I miss anything? I want to make sure I didn't. You know, I have a dog um, and children. They take up a lot of time too. I don't need anything else on that list, Joey. <laughs> Let's be real. I'll, uh, you said you have a dog and kids? Yeah, a dog and kids. Yeah, so oh, I guess oh, three yeah. kids, basically. <laughs> Two kids, one dog. That equals three kids. How old are your kids and, and what are their names? All three of them. Yeah, my son is 12. He'll be 13 soon. So don't get me started about that. Um, Wyatt and then Colleen is 10. And Lady, the dachshund, is two. Tell tell our audience a little bit about your companies and uh, and what you do, Taylor. Yeah, sure. Um, so my company is Barlele. And we uh, also have a product company, Creative Shizzle, which really is kind of like a sister to Barlele. Um we work with nonprofit organizations, small businesses, tech companies, kind of a, a a wide variety of types of people who are just trying to have a good impact on the world. And we help them with brand messaging, brand clarity, brand identity design and strategy and do a lot more of that work at Bar Lele. Um, and then Creative Shizzle, really, we built about, they launched it a little over a year ago. Um, to be an affordable and really consistent solution for getting good graphic design resources. And so um, it's a graphic design subscription, unlimited design every month for one price. Uh, and I kind of did that on on purpose to make it really simple for people to not have to deal with all the hiring hassle of designers or if you don't have enough in-house talent to make your stuff look pretty. Um, we've got that solution for you. So. That's kind of, we kind of help people figure out what their story needs to be at Barlele. And then if you need the help implementing it from a design perspective, Creative Shizzle is for that. Where do you feel are like the, the biggest creative opportunities for businesses when um, really doubling down on their brand strategy and their, um, their their marketing efforts. And maybe you could distinguish the difference between branding and marketing for our audience. Awesome. First off, that's one of my favorite questions um, because I think it's often confused. They're often confused for each other. People don't quite know what, what the difference is. So branding, in my opinion, is figuring out what kind of ex- overall experience you're creating for people and capturing attention and pulling them in with the right message and the right way of getting attention. And then marketing, in my opinion, is like 
once you got their attention, it's keeping a conversation going and bringing them value on a regular, consistent basis. And so branding is a little bit more high level. Like, how do we want people to feel? The questions we need to ask ourselves when you're thinking about, like, how do you double down is who are we talking to about what and why does it matter to them? So a lot of times I think we just go into like, well, I like the way this looks and I like the way that looks and we've got to make sure we use this font and this color. And it's so much more than that. It's really about like focusing on your customer first, figuring out what they need, what is the pain that they are feeling in their lives that relates to your business and your product. And then how do you solve that pain and tell them that in a very, very clear and simple way. Um, and then with marketing, how do you like consistently show up with that message and with bringing them value with that message? Um, and kind of like teaching them along the journey of this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is why we help you have a better life or a better business or like whatever it is. Thank you for that. That's really awesome. I, I think we should we should unpack the pain piece for a moment because I, I I would I would assume that a lot of small to medium-sized businesses don't really know where to start when it comes to and I say that because enterprise businesses have the resources and the data, right? But if you're just yeah. getting started or you're a small to medium-sized business with five, 10, 50 people. Um, perhaps you don't really know where to start to, to start building an avatar for your brand to understand your prospective audiences or prospective clients' pain points. And um, I'm just curious, Taylor, from your perspective, where might an organization look to start to gather some of that valuable information and data where they can start um, you know, really understanding the problems that their prospective clients or prospective customers might have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can start with yourself. Like, why did you even build your product or your company? Like, what, what did you set out to do? There was probably something at some point where you were like, I think this is a business, like a need, right? So like kind of thinking about like, here's the market, Here's what's called product market fit, right? Like figuring out like there is a need in this market that doesn't seem to getting be getting filled in this way that I think I can fill that, you know, need. And so like kind of like first take a step back and go back in time to figure out like what was it that we were trying to do when we saw a gap in the market and decided to build our company, right? Then it's as simple as like going around and first off, if you have customers already, like Go ask them like, hey, what are your greatest pain points? What are you running into? Have a conversation with them. Have a phone call. Do qualitative research to like ask the actual customer. I, I get on the phone with our clients. I'm like, what are you running into these days? You know, like, what are you struggling with? Um, it doesn't have to be these hard, difficult questions, but literally saying like, what's on your brain? Uh, for me, what are you feeling concerned about or nervous about or what are you struggling with in the world of digital or social media or brand, you know? Um, and then, I mean, you, you can also do stuff. Sometimes I put up like things as simple as LinkedIn polls to like, kind of like if you've got a decent amount of followers or connections on LinkedIn, LinkedIn really likes the algorithm really likes polls. And so like put a poll up like, Hey, you know, 
target avatar, you know, like call them something, right? Like, hey, crowd, um, <laughs> you know, and like ask, like pose a question, like when it comes to social media, what are your top pain points? And then give them a few options and then say other and say, if you don't see it here, comment. And so you can do a couple of things with polls and surveys and things like that. You can get a conversation going, which like brings attention to your brand. You can ask the crowd, what are they actually struggling with? Because a lot of times you can like make assumptions. And I think it's like you can make hypotheses, but then go like test those hypotheses by actually asking the crowd and the market and also your current customers. A number of our listeners are um, utilizing events as a platform to build community, to either help their employees think better together, to bring together stakeholders, partners, clients, prospective clients, or for our nonprofit partners, really to generate donations and connect people to the mission or their cause. And so as an event and video production company, I think it's really important for us, especially for those people that are listening that are planning events, to really... Um, maybe we could spend some time, Taylor, discovering or exploring the intersection between our two agencies and mm-hmm. how you can leverage your events as a way. This is maybe one discussion is how to leverage your events as a way to gain valuable insights into your most important relationships, because it doesn't just have to be LinkedIn, right? Like if you have a captive audience, like we met at Ray's, a super cool conference in Nashville, you and I, and we met because we were on-site podcasting. Like we're creating content. People are walking by this booth and we're on-site creating content at this event And this was a sponsorship that gave us the opportunity to sort of cherry pick and hand select guests or attendees at the conference that we wanted to interview. Super cool. So that's one creative way that you can, um, you know, start to build relationships, create content, get information from people who are attending. Um, But anyway, so perhaps first we can talk about how could we gain or gather insights and information about our most important relationships at events. And then can we talk about how can we utilize our events to uh, develop a stronger brand and develop a stronger position in the market? Yeah, Um, really good question. So events are a place where people come to basically talk about their pain points (laughs) in a lot of ways. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Yes. But it it really is. So like, as you know, kind of like tying it, like, like starting to thread through this conversation. When people go to events, a lot of times it's about learning new things, but it's also oftentimes about talking to peers Mm. and hearing from peers. I'm struggling with this. Oh, me too. Well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm doing this. Is that working? Yeah. No, you know, and so like I find you and I, we met at the podcasting sponsor booth. And then started talking about podcasting, right? Like we're both podcasters. What kind of pain do we have as podcasters? You know, things like that. So you kind of naturally get into those types of conversations um, at events. And so I think that's a really good place to understand your target market and understand your avatar is talking to people at those events and seeing what is resonating with them too when they're there at the event. You can tell if people are falling asleep in a session or if people are really engaged in a session. And that as an event organizer can tell you like, 
okay, this is a topic that interests people and this, or this is a speaker that interests people, or this is a speaker that's not so hot. Um, or this is a topic that's maybe people just aren't that interested in. And so I think there's a lot that you can do to kind of like learn about your avatar at events by kind of digging in with them. And then in terms of kind of like brand building and brand awareness through events, I mean, one, it's just like, Get people still want to get together in a room. People like people and people like getting out of the office, despite the fact that a lot of us also love this like remote lifestyle now. Getting out of the office, like is still and being around people in person is something that we just need as human beings. Um, so I think like being the one who kind of like organizes that meeting. One, I mean, that's good from a brand perspective. And two, like, I don't know, like creating a memorable experience like Ray's. I've been going to Ray's for years now. And why? Because they do a great job with that conference. It's fun. I see friends there. Like, I have a really good time. They created this really memorable brand experience for their conference. Um, and it keeps me coming back. I think I've been to like four or five raises now. I don't know. Did that answer the question? I was a little bit all over the place there. <laughs> I mean, we can we can just like, you know, ad hoc or jam go back and forth with with this question because there's there's so much. It's a loaded question. There's no right answer, but it's just like, you know, like uh, just maybe an experience share here is if you're out there producing a a large conference, maybe you're not, you know, I, I mean, there's just there's so many different types of events, right? But let's use this conference that we're talking about as an example. But perhaps you're not an association. Maybe you're a company and you want your employees to think better together or work better together or understand the pain points that your employees are facing. We had um, one organization where this was their goal. You know, their their employees are relatively disconnected from the central hub. And they, um, because they are a processing facility, their employees are working on the line. And if they're not producing, the organization, of course, is not profitable. And so the, you know, there's, there's churn, there's turnover. And so one of their main goals as an organization was to say, listen, we know because of COVID as a processing facility, manufacturing consumer goods, since then, in the last three years, we have been working people like crazy. And we understand that the employees want to feel that love and appreciation and recognition. And so they produce this annual uh, celebration where all the employees came together. And we um, we had the opportunity to, to engage the employees. And we did that through... It was kind of like a day of play. Uh, mm -hmm. So we rented out a local uh, baseball stadium. And they had wiffle ball and activities, and there was a DJ playing music. And one of the cool things that we did is um, we produced a 50th anniversary video for the agency. And um, we just through um, you know interviewing different you know employees at the organization, we started to understand how important it was for them to feel appreciated by the by the agency. And so we came up with this approach for a video campaign where um you know we're basically trying to humanize the the brand right where ultimately what this came down to was employees felt disconnected from the end user or the consumer and so we decided to create this campaign where we're going to connect the 
consumers of this product to the people making it in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really helping to bridge that gap um, where they can meet each other and connect with each other. And this was all done from information we gained or gathered at an event just by having those organic conversations with the employees of this organization. Yeah. Um, by the That's way, have you done cool. event surveys, Taylor? Have you? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, have I done any event surveys? Like in I mean, surveys? usually like, like, a, like a virtual event. I actually have never myself done like the collecting of event surveys for an in-person event or anything like that. I think we should do them. I think a lot of people do do them. I like reading them. I speak at a lot of events. And so it's actually really helpful to get the feedback. Um, but I, I do run them when I'm like doing like webinars and like virtual events and things like that. And that's helpful because yeah, then people can kind of know like what's, and what I like is you can actually do them more live now too with um there's technology that makes it easy to poll the audience and do like live polling and live surveys i don't know if you've done any of that at your events but that is pretty cool when you can see like feedback happening in the actual session with the audience heck yeah we um that recently at a gala where we did a live poll and we asked people how long they'd been a donor for the organization and gave a multiple choice you know it's like first time donor been here three to five years, been here five to 10 years, been here 10 years plus. And then we paused and we, um, we asked the donor, the donors who had been involved in the event for more than five years to stand. And they were recognized and applauded. They sat down and then we realized 60% of the room was there for the first time that night. Oh, wow. So we asked those first time donors to stand and we asked mm-hmm. them to remain standing. And we had the 10 year donors go up to them and we said, Hey, this is an opportunity for you to go out and love on those first time donors and and welcome them to our community. So all the 10 year donors went out and found a first time donor that was standing, high fived mm-hmm. them, hugged them, uh, you know, gave them all the shizzle, told them that, you know, we, we honor you, recognize you, so on and so forth. And so, um, just trying to utilize technology as a way to, you know, build that element of community. Um, totally. Yeah, I love it. Well, and a lot of times, like I'll use a live poll during a presentation or something like that, or at an event at the very beginning to like kind of gauge like where are you at as an audience, you know, like experience levels with this topic, things like that even can be helpful to then steer the event or the presentation or your interaction with them in that moment when you're live together, steer it in the right direction, kind of based on what you're asking them right at the start of that relationship, really. Because a lot of times, like you are at an event, you are, so many relationships start at events. So many relationships that people have with other individuals and or brands start at in-person events. So, um, yeah. So Taylor, in the realm of branding, when it pertains to events and videos, collaboration is key. And um, I can think of no stronger prospective partnership than that of our company and your company, where we're coming together to sort of envision uh, a brand. And it's all about effective collaboration between branding experts like yourself, 
and event and video production teams like ours. And so how might we, like, how do you envision effective collaboration between an agency like ours and an agency like yours to create these really memorable and cohesive experiences? Yeah, I think it's such a good question. It's such a good thing to think about, especially if you're thinking about doing events yourself or if you have events that need a refresh. Um, it's an important collaboration because one, as we kind of talked about at the beginning, branding is about getting someone's attention and like showing them the value and communicating clearly. So like, what's the value of coming to this event? What is going to make me spend my budget on coming to this event? At the end of the day, right? Like you got to get inside your consumer's heads. Why should I spend my time and my money to come to your event? Whatever event it is. Um, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be moving? Am I going to network? Um, am I going to want a door prize? It, it could be a number of things that get people to pay attention and say, I'm interested in this. And then there's all the logistical things of like, capturing the experience of the brand at the event. So that's what you guys do, right? Like you're on the ground, you're filming it, you're probably creating a lot of post post event assets to then highlight the event for the next year, right? So like when we start recruiting for the event next year, we want people to come back, look at how fun it was last year. Look at how great it was last year. Don't you want to be there? So I think when it comes to like event branding, it's a lot about creating like FOMO, and that's what I think a lot of the production work does. And that's it's like kind of like creating, figuring out like the FOMO ahead of the event, what makes people feel like they can't miss it. And then how do we make an awesome time when they're there so that they feel like I have to come back to this every year. And that's a lot of working together on just like, what does it look like when they walk through the door for the first time? Simple things, even logistical things like do you, is it easy to find water and coffee at the event? <laughs> um, you know, like stuff like that. Some, some events get that wrong. And I'm just like, Ooh, that was lackluster. Um, so it's a lot of like, it can be really like a lot of the little nitty gritty details that add up into the overall brand experience. And then on the back end of the event, being able to show off like, Hey, we had a great time. Did you? And like, and then the next year marketing promo for years to come. Um, so I think it is an important collaboration with kind of like logistical capturing the story of the event and then like painting, like what's the story in the first place and why should you be there? What are innovative ways to incorporate branding elements into event design? Um, storytelling is something that you all, you know, advertise and promote and, you know, it's a big part of who you are and what you do. So how are you like weaving that story and connecting the audience to the brand experience? Like what are ways that event organizers, um, can incorporate elements of their brand into their design without overwhelming the audience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> it could go in a lot of directions. We put a TV monitor in the urinal. So when people are taking a bio break, we're like, hey, and I am so yeah. the ambassador of this brand. And I just want to thank you for attending. Even while you're taking a bio break, we want to let you know how much we love you. Yeah. Yeah. That would be one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, you know, some of the events that I like going to, I mean, like they have a name, you know, like the event has a name that's cool, different than the company's name and the brand like look and identity of the event looks similar to, and uh, is aligned well with the company hosting it. Um, 
I think it's like little things, you know, it could be as simple as just like, Oh, I was talking to someone about the brand of Starbucks the other day and how like you get the cup and like in the holiday season, I think I just, just this morning with my coffee this morning, I got my first holiday cup at Starbucks, you know, and it's a thing where like I was drinking it and after a while I was like, oh, I got the holiday cup. Um, so it could be things as simple as just like weaving in like customized special coffee cups with the brand on it. Um, it kind of depends on, I guess, in terms of like your design aesthetic. I'm kind of a minimalist, so I don't want big flashy crap everywhere, but like, or I don't want to spend a lot of money personally on like swag that people are going to throw away, but I want to spend money with my event on things that are going to make people like really remember it and maybe take home with them and again, want to come back. So that could be even like, I don't know, like make people feel special at the event. Why don't you have a podcasting booth where people who are attending the event can come and get interviewed and get on video and feel like they're on the, you know, make it feel like they're on like the, the news or something like that. Um, like make it fun, you know, like, I don't know, make, make, make event people feel event participants and attendees feel special with the brand. Um, it's kind of one way to think about it. But again, I don't know. That was a, you go in a lot of directions. How do you how do you um, how do you evaluate metrics with a branding strategy? Like whether or not how do you evaluate? And I was, I was thinking specifically about events, but you know maybe yeah. we can we can broaden this a little bit and just talk about how you're evaluating metrics as it pertains to just branding in general. Like how do you tell whether or not a particular campaign is successful, a particular story is successful? A particular video is successful. And if you want to, you know, maybe if you have like a, an anecdote or an example of how an event, how do you evaluate yeah. whether or not an event partnership or an event overall is successful? And whichever yeah. direction you want to go with that question, but let's unpack the metrics because you mentioned qualitative a moment ago. Um, yeah. How how do you objectively look at the data and say this was a win or we need to reevaluate? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's two different levels of metrics to kind of look at. There's like what you call kind of your surface level vanity metrics. And then there's like your, um, your more like quality metrics. Um, vanity metrics all oftentimes can be important. It's like impressions, you know, likes, um, kind of like that top level, top of the funnel marketing metric. Like, are people seeing this? Are people clicking on the like button? Are, are we getting in front of eyeballs from an overall brand awareness perspective? Um, then there's metrics that measure more like conversion. Like are people actually downloading our guide? Are they giving us their email address? Are they booking a demo? Are they attending our event? Like the actual thing, like where I've seen you up here, people, and now I'm doing a thing with you and now I'm even going to your event with you right so like kind of the ultimate conversion like I'm buying um so really like I think with any kind of metrics you kind of have to look at that like okay what's kind of like the high level brand awareness metric and then what's happening kind of like in the mofu the middle of the funnel and that could be more like people are actually like giving you an email address, signing up for things, signing a petition, all sorts of things. And then there's that very bottom of the funnel or BOFU. So 
they're buying, right? They're converting into an actual sale or an actual donation. Um, so really like whether it's event metrics, event metrics, I would say like our people, what does the website traffic look like to our event page, right? That's at the top of the funnel. Are we getting people to go to our event website? Um, and then maybe a little bit further down, are people clicking through to buy a ticket? Um, are people clicking on that button? And then uh, are they staying on the site for longer than 20 seconds? Are they at, like engaging with the content? Are they reading through what this event is about? And then the final metric is like, are they registering? Are they saying I'm going to attend? Are they buying a ticket? Um, so I kind of like always kind of like to think about it as like general brand awareness and then kind of middle of the funnel, like warming up and nurturing and then closing closing the deal um kind of and you're gonna see like there's gonna be a lot more people at the top of the funnel like it's normal and natural for the funnel it is a funnel to like narrow at the end and so just trying to track what's a healthy conversion rate at different areas of the funnel for your industry there's a bunch of benchmark reports and stuff you could probably go out and find like just google you know marketing funnel benchmarks based on your industry name um, to kind of get a guide for yourself. What are other businesses in my realm of the world doing? What's a benchmark or a goal I can aim for? And I think that's important. Like if you don't have any idea, just kind of start there. Can you walk us through a, a funnel, just like from a fundamental level of like help everybody understand like maybe, uh, you know, how people, how you're inviting people into your ecosystem and maybe just an example of how you might take them through a funnel uh, from the start to, uh, you know, conversion. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm really uh, very gullible for Instagram ads, okay? I buy a lot of stuff on Instagram, Joey. Um, great ads get shown to me on Instagram and I'm like, that looks interesting. And then a lot of times I'm like, I'll buy that. Um, so I'll give you an example just of this weekend. I bought an Instagram, something off of Instagram and I'll walk you through the funnel. So I'm on Instagram. I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through like feeds. And in that feed, I see people I know that I also follow on Instagram. And I see a lot of brands that are marketing to me because they paid to be in front of me. So top of the funnel, I am a company paying to get in front of people like Taylor. All right. People like Taylor are marketing agency owners. Right. So I see a lot of businesses market services to other agencies all the time. Um, so like, you know, kind of identifying who am I trying to get in front of? What's my budget? I'm going to pay to get in front of those people on social media. This is just a social media ad example of a funnel. Okay. I see this ad. It's another agency owner and she sells courses for agencies to do better with their social media for all their clients. Right. And so I'm kind of reading through. I see her for a few days. She shows up kind of repeatedly. Okay. And she's showing up repeatedly because I saw her the first time and she showed me one thing. And then she saw that I engaged in it and not she did, but the algorithms 
the the robots behind the ad saw that I engaged with it. So they showed it to me again. And then they showed me a slightly different version. And so they started warming me up on my experience, like warming me up to their brand, okay, over the course of this funnel. And it started with, again, we're going to get in front of people like Taylor, and then we're going to make sure they saw us. So we're going to keep showing them the ad. And then we're going to show them a slightly different ad if they still didn't buy anything yet. Well, here's really why this should work for you. And then we're going to take them finally to another ad sometimes that gets them like, come on, it's time to commit. Taylor, you can't do social media for your clients anymore if you don't get this course. And then I bought the course. It was like a $40 course. And you know why I bought the course? Because I was like, maybe they're doing something a little bit different than the way we run social media for clients. And maybe like I can learn one or two things in their process to refine in mine. Um, And then, you know, the end of the funnel is like, you buy, you go to a checkout page, you check out, you put in your credit card. And then the very end is you get the follow-up email where it's like, hey, here's your access to your online class you're going to go to in two days. Um, so that's kind of like an example of getting in front of, like figuring out who your target avatar is, getting in front of them on a specific channel, nurturing them, warming them up, making it really easy for them to click and buy, and then getting them to actually buy. And then very quickly, and this is all done with automation, um, send them the thing that they bought. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> what are you most excited about right now in the world of branding? Like what is on the horizon with, you mentioned AI and robots and, you know, the, 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 the things behind the scenes that are evaluating how people are making decisions online. What is on, like, what is, what is, where are we headed? In terms of branding and marketing, what are you most excited about with all this innovation and technology? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's twofold because the technology in a way is forcing us from a branding perspective to remember how human we are and remember that when it comes to branding and words and brand experience, that people still want to connect with human stuff. And so there's this big element of having humans involved and like creating that and tapping into our minds, right? And like literally having the experience of being a human versus to write a tagline versus being a robot to write a tagline. But then I think the robots are exciting for me and I'm using them a lot and a lot more lately to just find efficiency, to speed stuff up. I don't have to write everything, okay? I need to write the really big, important things. I need to be the person leading the brand strategy who's asking the right questions and then taking my experience as a human to help kind of paint the picture. And then I need to be using the robots to help me just like produce all the marketing stuff a lot faster. So I give the robots direction. Um, I think something that's exciting for me is just getting better at using tools like ChatGPT, getting better at like writing prompts. I now have a bunch of prompts that I've been writing myself, like figuring out kind of what works for different areas of marketing. So like I need to write an email nurture series, you know, like stuff like that. And like getting really good at training the robots for a particular brand to write the email series. And then I go through as the editor And I did it in 
an hour instead of five hours. So it's really for me about like tapping into the humanness of people, but then using the robots to be a lot more efficient in how you work. Yeah, it's interesting. We're finding the same thing too. And I, you know, I, I have some concerns with it, Taylor, in that the the internet now is becoming like um um you know more so of a uh, an overly populated highway that there's just so many so many cars on the highway that are sort of trying to veer in your direction, and now there's so much traffic that it's mm-hmm. like you know with these bots making it so much easier for people to get online and to produce content you almost have to be more diligent and more thoughtful and more human than you were in the past like how do we navigate that because mm-hmm. we're we're going towards or and, and i mean we're we're already there but we're also now moving towards an environment where there's so much more content it's like yeah. um, how do you stand out in a sea of sameness given what we know about ChatGPT and the fact that it's not slowing down, and there's you know there's there's so much now bot generated content out there on the internet. How do we stand out as brands? I mean, it's it makes me concerned too. So like, I'm not this person that's just like AI is going to revolutionize everything, and I just love the hell out of it. No, like a lot of it is scary, but that's why I kind of mentioned about like I think there is this humanness that we we have that the robots don't have there's a lot of stuff that chat gbt writes where i'm like that sounds stupid cheesy like come on no and so like i have to take my humanness to like edit it and rewrite it and refine it to stand out with what i know actually know about people because i'm a person and so i do think that we have to we have to be a little bit more diligent um i think just again getting creative and tapping into your humanness. So if you're a brand person or a marketing person, like don't just default to whatever chat GPT gives you. Go back to it and become really good at editing. And remember, like, go back to those pain points, those pain points that maybe you as a human relate to, that the robot can't relate to because they're just a computer. Um, but I think that's one of the things. I think. I think it is hard to stand out right now because there's so much and it is overwhelming. And that is actually why I think going in person to events is one way to stand out because there's so much like online and blah, 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 like noise, 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 noise. And when you take a minute to step outside and to step away from this computer, and like go see people in person again and learn from people in person and hang out in person. Um, I think events are actually gonna have a big, like a big day again. You know, I, events were weird for a while because of COVID, but I think they've come back really strong. And I kind of think like the more that the robots start to enter our lives every day, I think we're going to see the more people start to crave the more human connection stuff. I mean, Joey, like my big dream is to eventually just like own a coffee shop 
I don't want to be behind a computer all day long. I want to be like making coffee, talking to people, giving them a holiday mug, you know? So like, I I think a lot of times about, and that's not going to happen anytime soon at all, but I think a lot of times about like robot proof businesses. And so like, if you're thinking about, you're getting worried that the robots are going to take over your business, one, Figure out how to prevent that from happening. What is it that you as a person can do that they are not going to do, or at least not going to do for a long time? And like use that as your advantage and then just use them for like efficiencies and like grunt work. Um, I know that went into a bigger, more philosophical answer than just branding, but hopefully it was helpful because I, I, I think everybody should be concerned about it and be thinking about it. And like, how do you AI proof your business. I've been thinking about how do I AI proof Barlele and Creative Shizzle? What are things that the robots just are never going to be able to do that we can still do for our clients? Yeah, it's the human element of connection and applying what you learn uh, to make better decisions moving forward. Learning from yeah. learning from failures, learning from what works, what doesn't works, what what doesn't work, and then applying that to make more thoughtful decisions. So with that in mind, we all do learn from failures. At least humans do. Maybe not bots. I know maybe they do as well. Um, perhaps they just don't apply it in the same way that we would, because we can use empathy <laughs> to move forward. But can you maybe share a funny or unexpected brand mishap that turned out to be a valuable lesson? And how did you and the brand recover from that mishap? Ooh. And it doesn't have to be your brand specifically, perhaps, yeah. your, or one of your clients, rather. It could be anybody. Yeah. A brand mishap. Huh. Question. I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, I don't know. People, I mean, people frequently, this maybe I'll just give it, I, I'm drawing a blank right now, but people frequently send out e- emails that say something bad on accident. And I think that brands who freak out about that are doing themselves a disservice. I think brands who come back with a funny oops email are doing themselves a great service in that scenario. And so, I mean, I did have a client, I think earlier this year, I don't remember exactly what was said. Oh, everybody on the list was Mark. Okay. There was, a, there was a, just a goof in the first name, like the first name automation, you know? And so their entire email list that day was, hi, Mark, comma. And so it was like, oh no, everybody's Mark. And then what we did, we, we just we came up with a funny email response, you know, and it didn't even take that much effort, but it was just kind of like, hey, we know you're not Mark. And we, I, we said something pretty funny about it. Like, ah, you might not feel like a Mark today, but we thought you looked like one or, you know, something just kind of cheeky and funny and making a joke about it. And then saying something like, sometimes the robots don't get it right. And our robots made a mistake today. You know, we're sorry. And then insert the real first name. Um, you know, so like brands do that kind of mistake, that kind of brand blunder happens frequently. And I think when you use humor to like correct it, it usually lands really well with your audience. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Taylor, are there are there things that we have not yet unpacked branding wise or storytelling wise that you really wanted to talk about today? 
Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like kind of going back to the whole, like, how do you stand out? Like being human and being real is what's going to help you stand out. I think storytelling wise, what's working is people just being a little bit less produced at times. Um, It's funny, more and more I'm seeing large brands run ads and things like video ads where it looks like I'm sitting in my basement telling you about my software and it's it's still it's a little funny to me but apparently it's working because people just feel like oh that's real that's how people are living these days that's how people are working um I think the more real you can be the better by the way speaking of being real and what we talked about a moment ago with failures I literally not 60 seconds ago, got an email. Uh, I've yeah. got three screens in front of me here and this email popped up and I wouldn't typically open it, but it said, oops, we messed up. So I had to open it because we are having this conversation right now. They sent out an email two hours ago to to basically promote their event that is happening next week and their mm-hmm. excitement for the event. But in the subject line, they said, we can't wait to see you in 48 hours. Mm. The event is a week away. And so they just sent an apology email saying that they're so excited that they inadvertently thought the party started in 48 hours because it felt that way in their heart of hearts. <laughs> and we just apologized and said they're so excited to celebrate. The event date is actually next week. We just got um, too amped up and we apologize. So again, just an example of a, a brand apologizing, being super authentic and humanizing themselves um, and sharing their excitement uh, as the reason why they did an oopsie. Yeah, it's a great example. I mean, really, like it happens all the time. I sent out links, emails without links working sometimes. And then I'm like, oops, our link. I I swear we know how to make a button work, but sometimes it just doesn't, you know, like just be real about it and people get over it, you know. Taylor, where can uh, people learn more about you? Where can they go to uh, to stay connected? Sure. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, Taylor Shanklin. I, I do most, I spend most of my social media time on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn more about Barlele or Creative Shizzle, you can find us at Barlele, B-A-R-L-E-L-E.com or creativeshizzle.com. We've got all the social channels connected on those websites. So either place is a good one to go to. Nice. And you have a class that's about to launch, right? On Creative Shizzle? I do. So, um, well, next year, we are going to be, I decided to kind of invest time and energy and money into creating a unique conference that's all about branding. Um, I have a name. I'm calling it Brand Fluence. And we're going to be launching it next year. And we're going to probably launch kind of like an overarching thought leadership channel next year called Brand Fluence. Um, that'll have kind of community and events and vir- virtual events to start. Um, and Creative Shizzle Academy, which is going to be a free series of online design courses. Nice. Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, when will more information regarding the event be live? Good question. Probably December. I'm hoping by the end of December before January, we can launch like, hey, this is coming um, next year sort of a thing. So still, still kind of planning and like working on it behind the scenes. 
That's awesome. Well, make sure you get all of that information over to our producer, Lachlan. When you have more info, we'll make sure to put it all in the show notes. Until then, all of the information that you have shared regarding your website, um, how people can get in touch with you, we'll make sure to include all of that information in the show notes. And then we'll update it as we have more info from you and your team with more developments. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Roadmap Podcast. It has been a pleasure um, for all of you out there. I hope you found this episode valuable. If you did, please share it, like it, subscribe. Go over to your neighbor's house real quick, ring the doorbell, uh, and invite them to listen to the podcast because you know they may need the valuable insights too. Uh, also, maybe share it with your grandma, your uncle, your best friends, brothers, cousins, sisters, baby cousin. Uh, they they also want the insights. Taylor, thank you again so much for joining us on the Impact Roadmap Podcast, and we'll see you uh, next week on our newest episode. Well, thanks, Joey. Hey, if this episode was valuable to you, then uh, share it with someone that you love, someone that you know that could benefit from it. Also, be sure to subscribe, and depending on how you're listening, go ahead and leave a comment or review. This will help ensure that we are connecting with other nonprofit leaders so that we can get this critical information out to them. And if your company is in the early or even late stages of putting on an event, go to our website, utopiaexperience.com and click the Book Us tab and schedule a free discovery call to see if our services would be a right fit for your event. And even if they're not, that's okay. I promise you our expertise can steer you in the right direction so you'll get value either way. Thanks for listening to the Impact Roadmap, and we'll see you next time.